Hello, hello, hello everybody. Hello, I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com. Thanks for being here with us on this Wednesday. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Hang on, it says here, creators earn more money inserting ads to blah, blah, blah. YouTube wants me to insert ads so that they can make more money. Let me close that. Yeah, no thanks, YouTube. <laughs> and now for a commercial break. Click. 30 seconds later, welcome back. No, 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 no. We don't want that. If we want that, we'll go watch traditional television, right? Um, so we have some new equipment fired up. So I'm curious how loud it is. So if you guys could let me know if you could see me okay and if you could hear me okay, I would appreciate it. I'm worried about the audio mostly. I think that I think we have the uh, the video dialed in, but if it's too dark, too bright, let me know. I can I can fix that real quick. And uh, sound-wise, if there's so much background noise that I'm difficult to hear, let me know. It's good? Okay, good. I'm glad to hear it. It's a directional microphone. Um, it's on the cardoid setting, so that sounds great. Okay, excellent. Glad that's working. Um, okay, let's get to the shipping report. I'm all kerfuffled. Hang on, let me start this like I usually do. It's been a busy day. So, welcome. Uh, thanks for coming, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do our shipping report. We have an amazing giveaway to talk to you guys about today. Uh, some fish that will do very well in ponds or for outdoor tubs. That's why we chose this fish, since it's kind of summer tubbing season. And I'm going to update you on the progress here at the new Dance Fish Warehouse. Show you around just a little bit. I can't show you everything but because uh, I'm tied to my desktop, but I have a, a camera set up on a longish cord so I can at least show you some stuff. So show you where we're at. It's, uh, it's going pretty well. Dennis, background noise, but I can hear you. Okay, good. Let me try something. If I put the microphone like this, I just switch the direction of the microphone. Is that better? Let me know if that setting is better. And you have to let me know better or worse, something like that, so I know that it's in comparison to the old question and that I'm not just getting comments responding to the old question, otherwise I won't have any idea. So I just I just changed it a little bit. It's worse, okay. Worse, worse, okay, yeah, thanks. Okay, I'll put it back. What that tells me is, um, what that tells me is what the direction of the mic is so I've put it back now, it should be better now. So let me know, yeah, people are saying better now. Okay, yes, that's better, okay. All right, thanks guys, thanks for helping me work out the bugs. It's a, it's a new facility, new location, uh, streaming with the same equipment, but everything around me is totally different. So uh, getting used to the new environment and how the noise bounces to the microphone and how the light bounces around and all that, so. Um, all right, good. Good, good. With that, let's get going. So we'll start with the shipping report. It's, it's interesting. We, we had some losses, but it's like an old problem saga, and it's the tail end of that. So several weeks ago, maybe even a few months ago by now, we um, sent some orange Venezuelanus Coris to a customer. Oh, yeah. That is something I didn't change. The, the lights are on a timer and they're going off automatically now. So give me half a shake. I gotta turn the lights back on, just a moment. 
All right. Um, anyway, we sent some orange Venezuelanist quarries out to a customer quite a while ago, and they did not do well for that customer. Never quite figured out why, but as we do, we got a new batch in of really good ones from a breeder that does a good job and has rock solid fish. Literally no one has a problem with those fish. And so we thought, well, these will do fine for this customer. So we sent them, uh, we, we reshipped to them for free, of course. We paid shipping and all that and uh, reshipped them a batch to see if they would do better for them. And we expected that they would. They did not. And this is very surprising. Um, there's something about this customer's aquarium that just does not agree <laughs> with our orange Venezuelanist quarries. And I, I don't know what it could be. We're kind of at a loss. At this point, it's like, well, I guess we can't sell you anymore or send you anymore because you know, we tried twice. Each time we had the same result, so we don't want to you know, put the fish in jeopardy. Um, but it's, it's a head scratcher because I think it's a true statement. Johnny can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's true to say that no one has had any losses from this breeder's Orange Venezuelanist quarries except for this, this experience. Um, I could be wrong, maybe one per other person might have or something, but I'd be very surprised. I, I can't remember another instance. So that's the shipping report. Everything else is doing well, but we have a situation where for some reason there's an aquarium that does not agree with our Orange Venezuelanist quarries. Um, we've tried twice, two separate batches, and all that, and, and can't get it to go. So, not sure why. Maybe it's like, I used to be able to keep rocket killies, right? Pseudo annulatus, uh, pseudo epiplates annulatus, rocket killies, or they call them clown killies. Bred and raised and, and kept those for a long time. I moved to this city in Sheridan, Wyoming, and have not been able to keep them alive since. There's just something about the water here, I think, because I've tried from several different sources, that, that just doesn't agree with that fish. So sometimes you run in situations where you literally don't know the answer except to say in the end, look, I, I guess it's not fair to the fish for me to try anymore, so I'm, I'm not going to. So I, I, I have not had rocket killies for quite a while. Um, I might try again though, because we have a different water source here at this facility, so maybe I can try again. But I tried it several times, couldn't figure out what the problem was, and so just ended up saying like, okay, I guess I'm done. So there are times when we run into situations like that. It's very rare, but every now and then a species just doesn't do well for us. So to that customer, you know who you are. Um, sorry, I, I literally have no idea what we could do to change things, don't can't pinpoint what the problem is. Um, I'm so sorry that they didn't work out for you. I really am. So that's the shipping report. Just just one one tank that we're having trouble getting our quarries to live in. One of our customers' tanks just isn't agreeing with them. Um, apart from that, it's been a very very busy, exciting week. We've added uh, over 80 species. Let's see here. I think close to 100 species in the last week or so. So a lot of new fish coming in. It's been an adventure learning how to deal with a completely different type of water and get them 
get all the equipment going and, and things with the new creek water system, which is hard water. But we think we're going in the right direction. The fish seem to be doing really well in it. So that's exciting. In fact, I want to show you, um, I'm saying um again. Um, 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 um. Okay, that's all the ums I get for the day. No more ums. <laughs> I want to show you here what we've got done. So I'm going to switch to a different camera that's on a cord. It's not as good quality, but you'll be able to see more stuff. All right. So over here, this is our big micro bubble remover. And how that works is water comes down here and then it goes into this massive 18 inch pipe. And that just slows the flow down a lot, which gives the little bubbles time to rise to the surface. So first they have to fight their way down here in very low flow. So they kind of want to bubble up and bubble up and bubble up. And there's a, a vent up here that the air can, can escape from up top above the uh, rafters there. Then it comes down here and it has all this length, 30 something feet of length of pipe to bubble up out of the water in. So that gets collected in this, it's always hard to do this on camera. <laughs> In this T right here, see that vent up top? Sticking up top right there, that's a vent. So the bubbles kind of rise to the top of the pipe and then go up into this T and vent it out. Also, we're stuffing this pipe absolutely full of filter floss. So we have all these laundry bags, those mesh laundry sacks, um, stuffed with filter floss that are going in here. We only have one right now that we were testing and we're gonna fill the rest of it. Just 30 feet of pipe stuffed with filter floss. That should help us collect more micro bubbles because if you've ever seen in your filters when you put too much fresh water in, your sponge filter, let's say, will, will start floating to the top, right? It's collected all the micro bubbles out of the water, they've adhered to the spongy material, and now your sponge is floating. Well, that's the same idea that we're doing here, but we're doing it on purpose. All the fibers in this pipe should collect all those little bubbles and then when they get big enough, they'll bubble up to the top and come out here and leave. And then the water goes here and continues up, uh, up the ceiling. Uh, man, it's so hard to point backwards on camera. Goes up there and then is fed to the aquariums. So that's the big micro bubble removal system that we had engineered and, and custom made to take care of that problem. That's in. All we have to do now is stuff it the rest of the way with more uh, filter floss. And, and we should be uh, even better than we are now. And how we're doing now is, is pretty good. So what we've done so far is all these aquariums behind me are all on the soft water system. This is municipal water. It's the same water that we used at our other location. It's crystal clear and the fish that like soft water do well in it. And then the rest of the tanks, the rest of the tanks are gonna look a lot more cloudy because those have the hard water from the creek flowing in them. And we do have filtration on that. We filter down to one micron, but there's a lot of fine silt in the creek. And some of that does get in the aquariums. So they're not crystal clear like these aquariums. They're, they have some natural silt in them, just like you would see in any river in the Amazon or, or whatever, when you go collecting fish. Fish just live in that. So we've taken most of it out, but a little bit of it gets by us because we can filter down to one micron. We could go down to half micron, 
but there's still really fine silt in water that just naturally gets in the tanks. Now the fish love it. That's the saving grace. The fish absolutely love it. We put fish in the creek water system and they color up just instantly. In fact, I hope to do a video where I show some compare and contrast and show you some species that are in the soft water system versus the same species in the creek water system and you'll see the difference. They just really like that fresh flowing water a lot. Over here, we have a bunch of shipping boxes prepared. We have our filtration water treatment system. These are a bunch of 75 gallon aquariums, a bunch of 75 gallon aquariums that are about to uh, get set up on the back here. So if you look across the back, you'll see we have the plumbing up. This is air and water for all the 75 gallon aquariums across the back wall. So that's 100 feet of space that we'll be putting the 75 gallons in. If you look down here, okay, how do we do this? Down here, see that? That right there is a drain pipe. You'll see another one over there. That's where the water drains from. And then there's a big utility sink here that's getting prepped to get set up. So that is more or less where we're at. Hopefully you could hear me while I said that because I was turning my head away from the microphone a lot. But that is a quick look around at the new fish warehouse and to show you the progress we've made. So we do have three racks of 75 gallon aquariums set up on the back wall, but they're just hidden over there. You, you can't see them. They're, they're way back over there. And we've got everything ready for the next set. And by the end of tomorrow, those should be all set up and good to go. We only have eight more to bring over from the house. Most of them are here ready to get set up. So it's once that's done, then the entire system is, is fully set up and ready to go with one exception, which is, if I turn this camera back around, this right here, where all these 75 gallon aquariums are, if you, see, if you look above that, you'll see a strip light right there. That's just like the strip light above each of these and there's plumbing in here and everything. So if we wanted, we could put another row of aquariums there. We're not doing that just because we want to work in the space and get a feel for the space to see if we do want even more aquariums in here or if we want to use that as a flex space. Maybe we have an extra busy day of, of packing orders and we need to throw down some work tables real quick so that there's more space to work and get the, all the orders packed. Or I, I, we don't know exactly what we might run into. So we're gonna keep that undeveloped for now, just, a, just spare space. And as we work in here and things and get to know the space better, we'll decide if we do indeed put 60 more aquariums there, like we do in, on the other rows or if we decide, you know what, what we really need is shelving to hold fish once they're bagged before they get sealed up and boxed and sent off. Or what we really need is, I don't know, whatever we discover. Or maybe we find, yeah, we want to put more fish there, but it's so much work just to keep up with the fish that we have that until we hire a couple people, we can't. So yes, we're going to put aquariums there, but we got to hire a couple people first. You know, things like that. We'll, we'll discover our path 
as we are in here working and getting to know the space and operating in it. But that's where we're at. We have, uh, I would say we're, we're just about half full of fish at this time. And we have a, an exciting order coming next week. And we have an, another large order coming. I'm not exactly sure when. We're still waiting on the CITES permits to clear on that. But if they have not cleared by the end of this week, we'll, we'll ship that. We'll get the ball rolling on that and, and just not ship the CITES fish. So we're kind of working that right now. Have to work with foreign governments and things to get those sightings permits done. So that's what we're working on. Hopefully, within let's see here, what's the date? The 22nd. I would hope that by the end of the first week in July, we're fully stocked and in, in operating at full capacity. That's what I would hope. So that's, that's what we'll try to do. Well, not operating, because we'll still have to wait for two weeks to quarantine the fish that come in that week, but have all the fish in, be fully stocked up and, and ready to go. So that's, that's where we're at. It's coming along, I'm very excited about it. It's been an adventure, let me tell you. There's been moments where we've been going along and been like, oh shoot, this critical part isn't working. This whole thing isn't gonna work. Not, not the business, but like the creek water system, for example. We can't figure out how to get rid of microbubbles. Or uh, the municipality is... <laughs> One big scare we had was we had calculated all the energy costs and we're being as efficient as we can with energy. We calculated all that and it seemed like, yes, this will work just fine. And then the utility company talked to us and told us that our bill was going to be 10 times what, he, what we had projected. And we were like, what? And so we, we took their data and we crunched it several times and it looked like they were right. We're like, man, something's wrong here. I guess I calculated wrong. Maybe I was off by a zero, which is a big deal, right? So that was crushing. I was like, shoot, this business model is not going to work. The energy costs are too much. We won't be able to run the hard water creek system. We have to run just municipal water like we have been at home. So all these extra filters and extra equipment and all this engineering and stuff was for nothing. It, it, we can't afford to run it. There was a moment, there was a day when that seemed to be reality. And then we looked at it more closely. We brought our engineer over and our engineer was like, there is no way it could be that much because all your equipment at full tilt can't, doesn't pull that much power. There's no way, none of this equipment pulls that much power. So we looked into it, we went back to the utility company. We're like, hey, this is the max amount our equipment could draw every day if it was running at full power 24 seven. I'm not, that doesn't match up with the data you gave us as to what our power bill would be. And so they crunched it and they came back and they're like, oh yeah, sorry, we were off by a zero. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so they they were the ones that had made the mistake but for a while there it looked like I had and that was no fun that was a bad day so that was one another one was when we turned the system on the first time and we ran into the micro bubble issue and the fish were basically getting the bends and we were like shoot that ain't no good how do we fix that 
that one I felt like we could fix because I, I knew there were solutions. But we had to figure out what that solution would be. So that, that was another time when it was like, oh, man. But so there's been ups and downs. And that one down when the energy company was like, here's what your bill's going to be. <laughs> I was like, there's no way we can afford that. <laughs> I think it was going to, it was more than 10x. It was, it was high. It was tens of thousands of dollars a month is what it was going to turn out to be. Anyway, so there's, there's been some interesting twists and turns, but we've, uh, we figured them out. And I think we're just about, just about there. Yeah, I think we're, it, the one thing I would like to do is even though the fish really like the, the silt in the tanks, I can tell that the fish are like, oh yeah, this is, this is great. <laughs> I like not being as exposed. I like, it feels more secure in here. Like I can tell that they feel that, but it's going to be really hard to take video and pictures and actually operate as a business if I can't show you the fish in the tanks well like right if there's silt in there and it's kind of hard to see them clearly because they're back in the back or whatever so i have a meeting with an engineer on monday to talk through that and try to figure out what is a way that we can take out really really super fine silt from a water column at 350 gallons per minute it's, it's a high flow system so I know how we could do it if we had a low flow system, but we, we move a lot of water through here. So at a high flow system, how do we do that? Is there some kind of device out there that, that, we, can, that we can use for that? So that's something I would like to do. The fish are great, they don't care, but for us and for you guys being able to see the fish, it would be nice to clear it up a bit. So that's, that's something to work on. The other big question we have is, yes, the micro bubble removing system is working now. That's fine. But the temperature differential is fairly low. I think the water out there is like 53 degrees or something like that in the creek. What happens when the water is really cold, say 30 degrees, 31 degrees coming into the building? And yes, flowing water can get below 32 degrees and still be flowing if it's moving. So the water coming in here in the winter is often less than 32 degrees. So what happens when that comes in and we heat it and that temperature differential is so much higher, will the micro bubble solution that we have now be sufficient when there's more bubbles being released because the, the temperature differential we have to heat is higher? So that's a question we have. We're confident it'll work during the summer and during the warm weather, but what about when it gets really cold? That, that's a question. So there's things we still need to tweak and things that we'll learn as we go along. But I'm happy to say it's up now, it's running now, and the fish seem to be absolutely loving it. So yeah, that's where we're at. That's the, that's the report in the warehouse. There's 172 people here. Thanks for being here, y'all. Appreciate you coming to spend your Wednesday evening with us. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment and calling your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend and inviting them in so we can get more viewers, let's get all your ex-lovers in here. That'll make it a really interesting chat. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> but seriously, if you wanna reach out to someone who you think would like this 
kind of content and let them know what's going on. That would be nice to get, get more folks here. With that, let's get to the giveaway. So, the giveaway for tonight is the fish in the thumbnail, which is the albino paradise fish. Now, why did we choose this fish? Well, I'll tell you. We chose this fish because it's kind of, you know, patio pond, summer tubbin season, where people put containers of water out on their patios and out in their yards and things and keep fish outdoors because it's summertime and the fish do really well out there. They get all the sunlight, they get natural algae and plant growth, and they get lots of bugs and things falling into the water that they can eat and it's, it's a great time for them. Paradise fish do really well in summer tubs. They can take very cold temperatures, they can take very warm temperatures. They're a hardy, hardy fish. At least this species can. There are more tropical species that would not do as well. And we chose the albino because in a tub situation, looking at the fish from above, you can see them a lot better. Here's the normal paradise fish. From the side, it looks fantastic. But if you look at it from the top, most fish have a dark top because they don't want birds to be able to see them. If a bird's flying overhead or perched overhead looking down and looking for a yummy fish to eat, that fish wants to blend in with the bottom of the river, the creek, and not have this bright colored top that the, the bird will see and, and cue in on, right? So most fish have a dark kind of dull top to blend in with the substrate. Well, they'll do that in your pond. If you have a, a dark pond, a lot of ponds are black plastic lined ponds, right? A lot of patio tubs are black or dark. If you have that, then when you look down to see your fish, you're not going to see them very well because of their natural defense coloring, basically. But the albinos don't have that. The albinos are bright from the top. So it's a hardy fish. It does really well in tubs and ponds for summer tubbing season and can go late into the fall because they can take cool weather. And they're albinos, so they'll show up well for you. So we thought this would be like the ultimate summer tubbin or patio pond type fish for people. So if you would like to be entered to win a group of these, you can enter by typing hashtag paradise into the chat. That's hashtag P-A-R-A-D-I-S-E, hashtag paradise, no spaces, caps don't matter, and you'll be entered to win a group of those. Now they're not for everyone, I know, and they're not super rare or anything, but I was thinking of pond season and I thought these should do really well for people. So that's what we got going on. I'm not sure exactly how many we can fit in a box. Some of them are getting larger. It might only be three. If there's some smaller ones, it might be six. It just depends on, they've grown a bit on us. So we'll have to see what, what size bag they fit in for the box. All right, that's what we have going on. So we're gonna get to your uh, chats and comments in a moment. Before we do though, I would like to just thank my moderators for being here and doing what they do. Thanks for helping the stream run smoothly. We really appreciate you showing up every week and just volunteering your time to, to make this happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So with that, let's get to your questions and comments. First, I know I missed some super chats. I don't know if I can see them though. It's not showing me the super chats. Hang on real quick. Okay, 
I can't see them. Let's see if I can scroll up and see any. Okay, see a couple. One from Only Oscars. Thank you so much. Dan, is there a Chick-fil-A in the town your store is located? I need to know. There is not. We do not have a Chick-fil-A. But, you know, you could move here and start one. <laughs> Killers Aquatics and Exotics throwing down Pippi Longstock and cheering us on. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate you spreading the Pippi cheer. Thanks so much. Okay, that, I, I hope I got them all. If I missed anyone, I'm so sorry. I literally cannot scroll up any further, so I can't see any more. But if you have a question or comment for us, now's the time we'll get into the kind of back and forth discussion. So go ahead and leave a chat down below and we'll get to it. Holy cow, Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics throwing down another super chat. Wow, that's a, that's a big one. Thank you, Bob, I really appreciate that. Being inclusive there, throwing down the dude version of Pippi Longstocking. Cheers. Thanks, Kaylers Aquatics and Exotics. We appreciate you. And everything you do. Thanks so much. <laughs> Lady Diane, these little heart attacks along the way of this build, though. Eek, yeah. Anytime you innovate, anytime you try something new, anytime you think there, there might be a better way, let's see if we can make it happen. It's bound to happen. You're going to run into things. I have really smart people working with me on this, but it's new to everybody. I don't know of anyone that's doing anything quite like this. So we've all just kind of figured it out as we can, got our brains together. Uh, we know what we want to accomplish. We're all leaning towards the same goal and trying to figure out what's out there, what can we use, what's, what do we have to custom build because it's not out there. And sometimes things look great on paper and seem like they'll work and the math looks good, but you try them and it's like, oh, we didn't know enough to include that variable, it, you know, when you're engineering custom equipment. So, but all in all, we're, we're, we're to the point where we're confident we can, we can figure out a way to make this work. And we're seeing the results in the fish, which that's the main thing. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty excited because this next import that comes next week will be the first one that we actually put from the bag directly into the new creek water system. All the other ones were in municipal water first. We just transitioned that section to the creek water system. We did a little bit last night, tested some fish, made sure they were okay, they looked good. This morning they were good. So this morning we turned that whole side on to the creek water system, switched it over from the culinary water, and we've been here all day keeping a close eye on them, and they love it. Like, it's, it's amazing how quickly they color up in it. The blacks become really black. They, there's something about it. I, I don't know if it's the water itself and just all the fresh flowing water, or if it's the fact that there's a little silt floating in there so it's not crystal clear and they feel more secure. I don't know if it's the water parameters or the silt that's making it happen, or both. I'm not sure. But hopefully we can find a way to remove the silt and then I can tell you. <laughs> I can take one of those variables away and see what the result is. But yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been an adventure. But it's working, so whew, all's well that ends well, as they say. Garden Matt 
Matic 81. Garden Matic 81 saying hi. Hello. Right back at you. Freshwater dreaming. If I had friends, I'd invite them. X's. <laughs> I can't say grandma's because Aquarium Co-op already has that one and I, other people have other ones. So for me, let's, let's invite all our X's in here. Make the chat real interesting. Some dude, have you received the Rainbow Fish edition of Amazonas? This is an amazing issue. It has Rainbow Fish, Blue Eyes, and your favorite Fundalo Panchex Killifish. I have received it. And I've glanced at it and looked at the pictures and the captions and drooled a little bit and saw the eye candy. I haven't had time to dig in and, and, and read it. So I've looked at it. I've been like, yes, this is amazing. I, I want to read it. But I haven't had time to actually sit down and read it just moving everything into here making sure the equipment's running right getting all the new fish like take the normal busy business and just multiply it by like five it's it's been very busy so i haven't been able to read it yet but i, I hope to read it and i've seen the pictures <laughs> but i agree it looks like an amazing addition my kind of addition for sure swamp thing the obvious solution to the background noise is to install a drop-down cone of silence for the Wear Wednesday podcast. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm going to open this just a little bit because I feel like I'm going in and out of frame a lot because it's so tight on me. That's hilarious. So, random arms. Um, Swamp Thing just had a solution to any background noise. Install a drop-down cone of silence. <laughs> Random arms will find a way to make that happen. <laughs> I'm confident he can do that. I don't know how confident he is. <laughs> All right. Chat jumped. Let me get up here and see the other questions and comments. Just a moment. Thanks, everyone, that shared the stream out. Appreciate that. That got us up to 180. Thanks for being here, everybody. Hopefully we have a fun stream and it's fun enough you stick around for a bit. If we don't, you got to leave. I get it. I get it. If we don't do our job, we got to leave. I would too. Okay, that swamp thing. Here we go. Next one. Ira Nelson. I find it ironic you're giving away a pretty albino fish this run when I just lost my only albino fish during the moving process of my fish room. Oh, I'm sorry to hear you had some losses. That's always a bummer. You know, there's risk in everything we do. So, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe, uh, maybe the universe will smile on you and you'll be able to, to win these, Ira. But I'm sorry to hear you had a loss. That's no fun. Hey, Rico, good to see you. Orange cones. Hey, Dan, those OC buckets behind you? Yes, 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 exactly. Exactly. As orange as, as, orange as it gets. Wait till you see the color of a uh, random arms new car. <laughs> okay. Bunny Viper. Okay, let's see here. Let's see here. It looks like Stephanie had a question that wasn't highlighted. So let me see if I can find it real quick, Stephanie. Otherwise, if you would type at Dan's fish, it'll turn, let's see here, see, see these bright orange boxes? 
that's people that have made hashtag dancefish or at dancefish so that it highlights. And when I'm scrolling down the chat, see all these things that, that are not highlighted? Those I ignore. I just look for these highlighted remarks because that way I can jump from comment to comment quickly with about, without a lot of like dead air because that makes bad TV. We're trying to keep this moving along so it's not boring for people. Um, so, so if you do put at dancefish or hashtag dancefish, no space, even just dancefish I think can do it if it's all together compact, then, then I'll see your comment. But I see it up here, I found it, Stephanie D. Want to order some pea puffers from you, but we've been in the hundreds here in Texas, best to wait. We, we should be able to ship them to you. Yeah, we have cold packs as necessary, so we can put cold packs in there. We also ship in really clean water that has a lot of oxygen in the bag. So even if the fish get warm, they don't... What usually kills fish when they get hot is not like heat stroke like you and I get, although I suppose that could happen in some cases, but it's usually lack of oxygen availability in the water. Cold water can hold a lot more oxygen in, it, in the water, dissolved in the water, than warm water can. So as the water warms up, you get less and less oxygen in the water, and the fish sometimes don't get enough oxygen and can die from that. So when fish get warm and hot, often it's the oxygen depletion that does, does them in. By keeping our water really clean, we don't get a lot of microbes in the water, which would multiply really quickly in the heat and, and steal a lot of the oxygen from the water so the fish can't breathe it because the, the little microorganisms are, are utilizing it. So instead of microorganisms binding up the water, we have clean water that that, that doesn't happen as much in. And we put pure oxygen in the bag, so even though there's less atmosphere absorbed into the water, what's absorbed is oxygen. So if it was normal atmosphere, right, you'd have, what is it, 70% nitrogen, a bunch of other gases, and a small percentage of oxygen, available so all the gas absorbed into that into the liquid would be a mix of all those things well if you take out everything except for pretty much just the oxygen then the other gases don't compete to to get into the water to dissolve into the water only the oxygen is available to do that so you get more oxygen in the warm water and you can ship fish and even if they get warm i mean they can get too hot and not work out but they can get fairly warm and still do okay but we also have cold packs that we, we use when necessary. The, the only time I've been, been unable to ship in the summer due to heat is in a situation where, like if it's over 110 degrees or something like that, something really hot, and it's not a cool night before that. Like it's just, it's 110 during the day and it's 105 at night and there's no coolness whatsoever. That, that might be a problem, it's just too darn hot. But we do ship in well-insulated um, containers. They have three quarters of an inch styrofoam lining. And if we put a cold pack in there, it's like, it's like taking a cooler to the park to keep your drinks cold, right? It, it does a, a pretty good job. But sometimes it's just too darn hot, rarely, but sometimes. But the other situation is where it's cold here, we're far enough along in the year that this probably won't happen, but 
sometimes, some parts of the year, it's cold here in Wyoming where I am. I'm up in the mountains in Wyoming. It's fairly cold. Or cooler than most of the parts of the, of the United States. And it's really hot where you are. So if you're in southern Arizona and it's uh, 103 degrees, and over here it's, you know, 39 degrees at night and a high of 55, well, I might need to put a cold pack in, I'm sorry, a heat pack in to keep them warm on my end, but then they would toast on your end. And I can't put a cold pack in on my end because it's too cold on my end. So they might be a good temperature when they get to you, but they would freeze on my side. So sometimes there's such an extreme temperature differential that I just can't figure out a cold pack or heat pack scenario that would keep them comfortable the entire trip and I can't ship. But that's very rare. And this time of year, that's, that's not probably going to happen. It would be extreme, extreme heat. But the cold packs are pretty good. We can ship in most weather. Okay, 192 folks are here. Thanks for coming by, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Cheers, welcome. Okay, this is an exciting question and I'm excited to answer it. Just a moment. Okay. Jeremy Murray, what fish are you most excited to bring in that maybe you couldn't have before the warehouse, or is there one? Yeah, so one thing I've avoided is a lot of live bearers because my water's so soft, so I haven't got deep in the live bearers yet, so I'm excited about those. I'm excited about the ability to bring in Rift Lake African cichlids, although I have no plans to do it in the immediate future. It's nice to know that if I wanted to, I could, and that if uh, we grow to the point where we've, we're doing really well with the peaceful community fish that maybe in a few years we could do that. It's not at the top of the list or anything, but that's kind of cool just to have options, right? Having hard water and soft water just opens all your options. But there's a couple fish that I'm really excited about. So up in Sulawesi, there are all these little isolated lakes, like, like Lake Matano, for example. And these lakes are hard alkaline lakes and they have some amazing species in them. That's where you get things like the uh, Dennerlay shrimp, that, that beautiful shrimp that, well, let me just, let me see if I can find a list here of, of some things that I, I'm already bringing in because I can. Let's see here. Uh, rainbow. Okay. So I don't want to share this whole list because I don't want people to get all excited and then like maybe they get shorted and don't appear and then people are disappointed. But things like Mugilagobius. So in these lakes in Sulawesi, they're hard and they're alkaline. There's each, each lake has a, a few species of gobies often only found in that lake. And I've, I've not brought these kind of really amazing gobies in before because my water just wasn't quite right for them. I did try once, just a couple, just to see, and, and they didn't like it very much. So I decided I'm gonna wait till I have you know, access to hard water for them. So these, these endemic gobies to all these little interesting little lakes, I'm excited to be able to bring those in. 
And then, Telmotherina. Let me just bring this up and show you this fish. Okay. So these are another fish that come from those lakes. These are silver sides. Basically, they're like a Sudamugo rainbow fish. They like hard alkaline water. There's all these different species of them that come from these, these different lakes. Here's another species. And we never see them in the hobby ever. Like, like hardly, hardly, hardly ever. And I haven't been able to bring them in because my water hasn't been right. But now I have the right water. These are amazing little fish. So that's what I'm super excited about. And then there's like Arisius uh, matanensis, uh, the Lake Matano rice fish. There's Arisius profundicola. So in these lakes, there's also, there's gobies. There's these little silver sides that look like blue eyes or pseudomugil rainbows. And there are shrimp and there's rice fish and there's, there's half beaks. And I'm really excited to finally be able to bring some of those in. So I expect to bring some cool stuff like that and I don't want to get too much into the particulars until I actually have them and, and know that it's a done deal. But yeah, there's lots of fish that I've been avoiding. I really like a Phaneus. Um, so this genus of killifish, they're like pupfish killifish. So in, in Mexico and California and the in Nevada and in places like that, you'll get these pupfish in the United States, which are really, really cool. These are a species of killifish like pupfish, but these come from Europe and Africa, like the Northern Africa, Europe, that, that kind of, the, the Middle East. So that kind of area. Do they go up into Europe? I think there's some up in Italy and things in Greece, if I remember right. But they come from really hard alkaline water, often just a little pool in the desert, a little oasis pool, nothing else for hundreds of miles, no other water, you know, that kind of thing. And so this is one, th this whole genus I really like. And one of the first killifish I ever bred and raised was a Phaneus mento, which is like a, it almost looks like a nigropinus but it, it developed way over there in the Middle East. So these guys are just absolutely beautiful. They look like a Nigropinus killifish um, or like a dwarf sunfish. Really cool little guys. So yeah, there's lots of fish that like hard alkaline water that I haven't been able to bring in or have avoided bringing in just because, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to put them through the stress of the wrong water. So, yep, lots of cool stuff. Just a moment, chat jumped on me. All right. Whoa, what? New Mexico Aquatics. My wife had a baby a few nights ago. During labor, she started screaming out, fish, 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 and she actually screamed out Dan's fish a couple of times. True story, little Bobby, oh my gosh. I'm not sure exactly how to feel about that, <laughs> but I'm going to go with glad I could help. 
Sorry I couldn't be there in person, but, but glad I could help her through the labor in some way. <laughs> Little Bobby, congratulations. There's nothing better than that. I, I remember when my kids were born, and uh, just congrats, man. Nothing, nothing touches that. That's amazing. Good for you. Stephen P. 2003, Aquartics. Thank you so much, so, so much for the super chat, and happy birthday to you. Kids Aquatics and Exotics, woo! Bob, thank you so much for the very generous super chat. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Helping a friend, it does help. We appreciate it. I mean, every bit helps. We are a scrappy startup company. We're new, we're, we're growing. We have all the growing pains you would expect for a new company that's expanding. And so every bit helps, so thank you so much. Appreciate that. One day, Bob, I hope to be able to actually meet you in person. I don't know if you're going to the Triple Crown event in Louisville. Actually, I suppose it's the Quadruple Crown since the Rainbow Fish geeks joined up as well. But if you are, maybe I can actually meet you. If not, another time. We'll, we'll make it happen someday. Xanadu! Do! Hooray for the warehouse progress and the first big warehouse order. So excited for you and for everything you're bringing to the hobby. I'm excited too. Thanks for your support, Xanadudu. I very much appreciate it. And I, I can't wait to get that new order next week. It's coming Monday, which I have a whole bunch of fish. And to put them in the new water with the creek water flowing and just see what it's like for them. I know what it's like in the municipal system. I hope it's as good as I think for them in the creek water system. Kelly Foreman, I'm way too excited about this order. Thanks, Kelly. I'm glad you're excited. And there are some neat stuff in there, for sure. Absolutely. There's a new rainbow fish that I've never seen in person before. That One of them that was featured in the Amazonas uh, issue recently. And got, got a few of them on the order. Again, I don't know if they'll show up or not, but they're one I'm very excited about. Thanks for the support. Really appreciate it. Okay, scrolling up because chat jumped big time. All right, getting there, getting there, getting there. Still scrolling. Wow, jumped big. Holy cow. I think I finally caught up. Good. Rico Stan, what's the beautiful orange bucket behind you? We need a new what's that fish question, right? <laughs> this is the orange Homer bucket. Not to be confused with the regular Homer bucket, like that plain white one there. You know, this is a, a rare one. Uh, it's hard to get, but we're, we're glad we finally got some in. They have some problems with their handles. The handles can be a little iffy. So if that's a problem for you, don't get those. Get the regular white Homer bucket, like you see there. Those handles are rock solid. But a small percentage of these handles can be a little iffy on you. So just be aware of that before you order. They might need a little TLC and special care, but... But they're cool, we like them. We like them, we're glad we finally got some orange Homer buckets in. <laughs> some dude, why are celestial pearl danios also called galaxy rasboras and danios are different, so is it a reclassification? Well, some dude, those are common names. Anyone can call anything, anything they want, right? In this hobby, people call fish all kinds of things. Anything they think will make it sell, they'll name it that. 
So different people thought a different name would make it sell and they called it different things. But also, in this case, there was some confusion when the CPDs were first discovered as to what they were, because they're kind of a new thing. People didn't know if they were Danios or Rasboras or something else. Turns out they're, they're a completely new genus. They're a new kind of fish. But at the time, we knew Danios and we knew Rasboras and we knew they were similar to both of those. So different people picked different ones and called them that. But that's not the only names. There's seriously like six or seven common names these guys go by. There was one recently that I saw that was different. Oh, what was it? I forget, but I, I saw a brand new one the other day. They're still coming up with different names for that fish to try to sell it. And it's not, okay, so, so that's kind of the cynical take to try to sell it. That's part of it. But the other part of it is that you have farms in many different countries speaking many different languages raising this fish. So they call it whatever they call it for their common name. And then when they go to sell it and put it on their list, they just do a, a translation of that. So whatever they're calling it in their language, they do like a more or less direct translation into English and put it on their list. So that's one reason we get so many different common names for fish. It's just each country calls it something different in the common name. And when they put it on the list in English, direct translation, if you have 10 different countries speaking 10 different languages, you'll get 10 different common names often. Unless the common name already has been really established in the industry and is kind of standardized. But that doesn't always happen immediately, or sometimes it happens that several names get standardized, and that's, the, that's what happened in this case. First confusion about is it a Rasbora or a Danio, plus mix that with all the different languages, you've got a, a fun mess, a hot mess as they say. Mr. Weatherboy, do you have any archer fish? I do. If you watch uh, any of my previous live streams, you'll see them because they're in a big tank behind me. I, I, last week was the first week I streamed in this location. So this stream and, and last week's stream don't feature them, but all the other streams before that, you can see them behind me. They're uh, Burmese clouded archer fish. Uh, the, the Blythei is the species, Toxotis Blythei. A pure freshwater archer fish, doesn't need salt, doesn't need brackish, does, does great in fresh water, that's what it lives in in nature. One of the few archer fish that can do that. And I love them, I've had those guys for years, they're my pets. Marvin's Loach Gardens. Do you look at doing packed column aerators to fix your gas bubble disease issue? Or did you not have the head double pump efficiency was way worse than your system. Let's see here. Packed column aerators. I looked at lots of things. Let me look that up real quick. All right, let's take a little adventure together and find out what these are. I might have. I looked at lots of things. Packed column aerator. Okay. Goes in, sprays, packing material. Ah, ah, yes, yes, yes. So, yes, we looked at these, and I believe the issue was the high volume of flow. So, I, it's been a long time. I looked at lots of things back when we first had, had the problem, many, many different things. And 
we didn't find one that did high volume flow. 350 gallons per minute that could kind of fit in this facility. So that's why we engineered our own. I will say though that the, the system we designed is pretty much a packed volume aerator with a couple differences. Okay, so there she is. But it's, it's the same thing in a lot of ways. This pipe is going to have a whole bunch of filter floss in it to collect microbubbles. So just like you would have media in, in that vertical aerator, right? And also it does have the vertical pipe here to help collect, help the bubbles kind of have to fight against the downward current because they want to float up and kind of amalgamate together and get larger. I don't know if we'll be able to get media up there or not. If we could, I think it would be good. So I can fit in this pipe. I might go down there with bags of uh, laundry bags full of filter floss and stick them up in there. I don't know how well they would stay. They might just flow down. But anyway, so we have that. We don't have the spray bar across the top, but what we do have is a six inch pipe bellying out into an 18 inch pipe and really slowing the flow down. So we don't have like airspace between the uh, the water and the meat and I'm sorry the inflowing water the spray bar and then kind of dry media with water trickling through it and then the collection of the water at the bottom we don't have that but we've done more or less what kind of taking that principle and and doing some redneck engineering on it to try to come up with a solution that would work in our space. Now, one of the problems with that particular thing, if I remember correctly, is that it can't be pressurized. I think you lose pressure, maybe. Or does that air, is that air pressurized enough? Oops, didn't mean to do that. Does this air keep enough pressure in there? That the unit doesn't lose pressure. Maybe, maybe that could be a thing. I'm not quite sure. But one thing I didn't like about it is the ones I was looking at um, didn't keep pressure. So we'd have to have another pump down here to repressurize the system. And we already have two pumps working in tandem Adding a third, I think, could could be difficult to get them running in sync. But um, Marvin, do you know if that particular one we were just looking at can it keep pressure? Because if so, that might be worth exploring. We've looked at some other things too. There's uh, one that that Random Arms found the other day, which is like a ultrasonic thing. Basically, I. I, I don't know a whole lot about it, but really rapidly movement, rapidly moving mechanism in the pipe that stirs everything up and, and releases the bubbles. So that's another thing that we're, you know, that we've looked at. And we might, as the water cools down and we find out what the differential does to the number of gas bubbles created, we might need to add something to the system. So. You know, if that thing can keep pressure, I didn't see anything like a trickle tower, basically. I, I didn't see one that could keep pressure when I was looking before. 
But if that thing can, then it might be it might be a possibility. Although, it'd get tricky. We'd have to run an air compressor the whole time, probably. Yeah. The pressurization was one of the, the obstacles. But I'm open to ideas, though. If anyone here works with water enough to know, hey, here's how you get rid of those dissolved gases as they want to leave the column when you heat it. If anyone has any ideas, I'm, I'm all ears. So, so Marvin, um, yeah, let, let me know. And if you have expertise in the area, if you wouldn't mind, send me an email. Hello at dansfish.com, H-E-L-L-O at dansfish.com. And I would love to hear any ideas because, yeah, I think it's going to be something that that we want some redundancy on. Otherwise, it will need to be seasonal. Like, during the warm weather, we can run the creek system, and during the cold weather, we'll have to run the, the municipal water system, something like that. But I don't want that. I want to be able to run that creek year-round. That's, that's how we built the system, to do that. Stephanie D. Okay, great. Good to know. How many do you recommend for a 15-gallon species only? So, Stephanie, here's the problem. It's been, I don't know how long... 20 minutes, half an hour since I answered the original question. So now I don't know which species we're talking about anymore. So if you could remind me and include everything all together in a neat little package, then my brain might be able to remember. I don't think I can scroll up far enough to see the original species we were talking about. U.S. Scraper, does the use of meth blue, methylene blue, have negative effects on fish from your experience? No. Uh, methylene blue, I have not experienced any problems with using it with fish or eggs. The only issue is that methylene blue can uh, wipe out your biological filter. So, and I'm saying that as a cautionary tale. I've, I've read in many sources that it can, it can kill nitrifying bacteria. So that might be an issue. But like in a hospital tank that doesn't have a bioactive filter or anything like that, never had an issue. Nope. And that stuff, by the way, has been used for decades in this hobby. Not only in the hobby, in the fish industry. And decades and decades. And I think it's pretty safe. I think it has a lot of great benefits for fish. If a fish is experiencing ammonia toxicity, it's one of the few things that you can use to help the fish recover from that. It increases oxygen in the water. So it helps fish... Uh, you know, get enough oxygen when they're struggling to breathe because they have ammonia burn on their gills or whatever. And it's in, in general, it has many great uses in the hobby. But I don't know if I've experienced it in person. But from what I've, what I understand, it, it can it can kill your nitrifying bacteria. So that might be something to watch out for. And again, that's just stuff I've read. I don't know that for sure, but something to keep your eye on. Curl Kitty 08. Will you, or have you, sold figure eight puffers? No, um, I, I don't plan on doing that with a caveat. So the reason I don't plan on doing that is the way I like to run my system, lots of fresh water flowing through it all the time, I can't keep the system brackish. I don't have a brackish water source I can, you know, reroute water from, pump water from through tanks and, and give them good flow. So right now, that's how I want to run my systems, and 
I can't do that with brackish. So that's why I'm not doing brackish or, you know, I don't have any plans to do salt or anything like that. That being said, in the future, when we've, we're doing great with all the fish we can in a flow-through type system, it might be something to look into. I do like brackish water fish. I love monos. I love scats. There's all kinds of neat, you know, estuary type fish that you can keep in brackish. And puffers are one of them. But in the, I don't see it in the future. I'm not close to it. I just don't see it jiving with how we're planning on expanding at the moment. Okay, I need to wet my whistle, so just one moment. 212 folks are here. Thank you for being here. 213. That's the first time I can remember that I've read the number of concurrent viewers, and it actually went up. Usually I say, here's how many viewers we have, and it instantly takes a, a nosedive. 214. It keeps going up. That's awesome. 209. There it goes. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> Two oh nine. Yep, that's what happens when you take a break to 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 get a drink, I suppose. You know what? It's eight oh six. We have twenty four more minutes, but let's go ahead and do the giveaway now. Let's reward people that that didn't just show up at the last minute to try to win. Let's reward people that came to actually participate in the stream and listen to the stream. So. This is for some uh, albino paradise fish because I think they're gonna do amazing in your summer tubs and patio ponds. And the winner is the Nano Aquarium Guy. Nano Aquarium Guy, you have won. You just need to chime in and type a comment in the next two minutes to let us know you're here and then we will get your winnings to you. If you don't leave a comment in the next two minutes, then we'll redraw for someone else. That's how we roll here. While we are waiting for the Nano Aquarium guy to chime in, let's get back to it here. Curl Kitty 08 throwing down a super chat and filling in for Chattanooga Ed to punch me in the face with a cute little fox cat. <laughs> Thanks, Curl Kitty. Thank you so much for the super chat. Never required, but it's always appreciated. Mark Herman, I recently picked up two pairs of Fundalopanjak Spore and Burgai. Awesome. Beautiful little killifish. You are the second person this week to talk about them being their favorite killifish. Any tips on breeding? So my absolute favorite is the Fundalopanchax gardneri, but the genus Fundalopanchax is probably my favorite genus. I really like them. Sporenbergi is not one I have personally bred and raised, so I don't know for sure. But I know in general with Fundalopanchax, what worked for me is generally... I would separate the sexes, feed them well, get those females nice and plump. Then I'd put each pair, if I just had two pairs, in a small two and a half to five and a half gallon aquarium, or maybe even just like a plastic shoe box. Maybe a, a, like four inches of water, you don't need a ton, and a spawning mop that takes up about a third of the tank from top to bottom. Just kind of really dense spawning mop taking up most of the water column on about a third of the tank. I would put the pair in there. I'd leave them for a day. I would pull the mops. 
and check the egg for eggs. And if there were a ton of eggs, I'd pull them. I would put them on top of damp peat moss. Wash your hands really well. You don't want to get anything gross on those eggs. And the water in the spawning container should be stabilized, gassed off water, not water from the tank. Nice, clean water, but stable, right? Dechlorinated, stable, all that. You want to keep that water nice and clean. You want that spawning mop nice and clean. Cleanliness is important when dealing with, with fish eggs. So then I put them on top of damp peat moss and I would bag them up, write the date on the bag when I wanted to check the eggs. Um, at that time I'd pull out the bag. If I could find any, they're hard to see in the peat moss, but if I could find any, I'd look for eyed up eggs. And if I could see the, the little eyeball, I'd put the eggs in and, and wet them and raise them. If I couldn't see the eyeball, I would wet them anyway. I mean, not the eyeball. If I couldn't find any eggs, I'd wet them anyway. And uh, if none hatched, then I'd re-dry the, re the peat out. Keep it damp, but I'd dry it out, store it for another week or two, and try it again. But most fundal panchaks will hatch within, on damp peat moss, 14 to 24 days, somewhere in that range. Depends on temperature and things like that. Now... When you wet the eggs, it's important to do it in a, in a container with a lot of surface area. You don't want to do it like in a little canning jar or something because you get this dense layer of peat moss across the top and the little babies, when they hatch, can't get to the surface of the water. They get stuck under that peat moss. So a nice broad plastic container where you can put the peat moss in it and you can have the peat moss floating because it's going to want to float at first and still have clear areas of water where the fish can swim up directly to the surface. That's important. I think a lot of people don't have success with uh, annual killifish and semi-annual killifish because they, they choke that water column with peat moss and the fry can't get to the surface. There is a... The, the common thing killifish hobbyists say is that they have to get to the top of the water to take a gulp of air to fill their swim bladder or they become belly sliders. I don't actually believe that's true, but they do want to be able to get up to the surface. You don't want to like keep them from doing that. Now, if someone knows some research that's actually been done to show that that is true, I'll change my tune in a second. But I, I just don't think they have to take a gulp of air in order to fill their swim bladder. I think they do that through osmotic exchange in the water. They, they'll be big enough, Spornbergi will be big enough to eat uh, baby brine shrimp right from the get-go, if I remember correctly. And that's, that's the way to do it if you want lots of eggs. If you want to do it the easy way, that's the hard way, but you get a high yield. If you want to do it the easy way, then what you do is you take the pair, or two pairs, you put them in a heavily planted aquarium, probably some gravel on the bottom, active filter, a nice mature aquarium. You put them in there, you leave them for a couple weeks, you feed them really well. Lots of plants is good because the, then the males won't beat each other up because you only have two pairs, right? If, if they can't get away from each other, you could have some aggression issues. So lots of plants and stuff so they can get away. And so the females can get away if they're tired of breeding because the males will drive them hard. After a couple weeks, take out the parents and almost always you'll get little fry hatching. Just start feeding small amounts of baby brine shrimp every day and and you'll, you'll start growing them out. So those are the two ways, the hard way with a high yield and the easy way, less yield, but a lot less effort and, and fun. Let's see, 
Okay, the Nano Aquarium guy did chime in. Awesome. I'm here, but I'd like to give them to Bunny Viper. Dance fish here, but if you could please give them to Bunny Viper. Okay. Bunny Viper, you can do as you please. All right, that sounds great. So, Bunny Viper, would you send us an email, hello at dancefish.com. Let us know if you indeed accept that gift, and if you do, um, then we'll make arrangements to get them sent to you. So, thank you so much, the Nano Aquarium guy, for, uh, for sending Bunny Viper some love. We like the community to be full of the love. What the world needs now. Mitchell Broom, love my Aphanius Mento. Many of the Aphanius are from in and around Turkey. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know it's North Africa and somewhere kind of in, in Europe. Don't know the exact. I know Valencia replaces them at some point, maybe in, what, in Spain and maybe Italy as well. Yeah. Okay, scrolling up because chat did that thing where it jumped. So here we go. Looking, looking, looking. Okay, Greg Jones, the degasser you showed on Google has a spray bar and is gravity drip, so no pressure. Yeah, that's what I that's what I figured. Um, and and that if I remember right, that was kind of the problem is volume and retention of pressure. We we want it to be able to work in a pressurized system. Marvin, yeah, pack columnarators are an open system, so you'd have to pump twice. Yeah. That's an issue for us. Just getting, like getting two pumps to sync is an art form. Getting three or four pumps to sync sounds like madness. I mean, well, we have five pumps on the system, but three of them are just controlling the boiler loop. They don't have to sync up perfectly with the well pump or the cistern pump. But we have a big pump for bringing all the water in. We have a big pump for taking all the water out and if those two don't work just perfectly we get a flood <laughs> so adding a third that would be rough but Marvin and Greg and anyone else if you know any other um, solutions we're, we're, uh, we're we'd be glad to hear them <laughs> Greg Jones Local man gets stuck in 11-inch pipe, more at er, er, gets stuck in giant pipe, more at 11. Let me show you this. This is fun. So, here you go. That's the pipe. That's an 18-inch pipe. Uh, that, that doesn't help. Yep, I fit in it just fine. <laughs> now, now I'll, I'll send a Oliver Twist in it, like a little chimney sweep type kid. That'll, that'll be safe, right? <laughs> Just tie a rope to his ankle, send him down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I'm scrolling up because ch chat jumped. That's why the dead air right now. Wow, it jumps so far. The next one I can see is Scuba Steve-O's Aquatics. No way! Coming to Louisville, my city. Can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to meet a lot of you all. Now, you'll have to tell me your username, because I won't know your real name when we meet. 
hey, I'm Scuba Steve. Oh, hey, and then I'll, you know, then I'll know. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for the event either. It sounds like it's going to be super fun. Punchy Paints, someday you can meet Not Candy too. <laughs> Punchy Paints, you might not remember this, but I had you over for dinner once. Well, I didn't have you over for dinner. You were delicious, by the way. Um, but you came over and we ate dinner. Yeah. I've met Not Candy before. Bradford Aquatics, I'm so excited that you will start getting some live bears. It will be great to have a good source to get some of those rare and hard to find species. I hope so, Bradford. I, I'm gonna try it. I, I did, I have I've, I've dabbled a little bit, but now that I have the right water for them, I plan to really try it. Give me some time, because I think there are real problems on the supply side with live bears, like real problems. And it's going to take me a while to figure out what suppliers I have problems that I can deal with versus which ones come in with problems that I can't deal with, basically. So the best route I think right now is to try some biosecure fish and see, see how those do. I've got a couple other suppliers to try, but it's going to take me a while. This is, this is a puzzle and a riddle and an enigma wrapped in a mystery. And I'm going to have to take some real time. And if I can become a good source for them, then I will. If I get through all that and I'm like, you know what? I tried all these things. I can't figure it out. I'll send you great looking fish, but they're just going to die in two weeks or two months. Then I'm not going to do it. But I hope I can. I hope I can crack that code are is there a particular library that you're especially excited about i'm a i'm a dork for like wild type libraries i like gadeids a lot although i think i run probably a little too hot my water for most of them i really like limia nigrofasciata is one of my favorites i like perugier as well even though i might not be saying that exactly right or some others the the red cauliflower sword tail I like that one a lot I had I still have a source for them but the source is problematic we we ran a histology on them we had losses we would get them stabilized they take a long time to get stabilized like weeks months like more than two weeks like four weeks six weeks to get stabilized and then we would sell them and often the people we sold them to couldn't keep them alive long term. So we had histology done. One of the customers lost one and happened to be a vet and did a histology and found out they had a virus and it's not curable. So that source is gone. I can no longer get them from that source. That's why I've not brought them in for, for a long, long time. As soon as we found that out, it was like, well, I guess that's over. Because if, if, if the source has a virus and you can't treat it, and the stress of shipping the fish gives that virus an edge where it can take hold, and then it's really likely to die for the customer, that's, that's just a bad story. So, so I, I hope to find a supplier of those that, that has clean fish that I can actually sell. The, that's one I really like, though. Seeing those in person, 
I know they're like totally man-made fish and, and they're like art they're like the tang of fish right <laughs> totally artificial there's no real orange juice in there but you see them in person and they just blew my mind they are truly gorgeous so it's worth doing some work I think to get those but I don't know I like I like lots of fish so I'm trying to think of another one no there's lots of other ones but let's let's stick with that for now Ira Nelson, the colony of super clean cherry shrimp I'm working at is exploding in numbers. Cherry shrimp do that. If you get to the point where you do get them super clean, Ira, and they're breeding true for several generations, uh, let me know. If you, if you want someone to distribute them, I'd be happy to, to help with that. Baron Von Yinzer, if one wanted to send you a five-gallon bucket from a local regional hardware chain... <laughs> Would you show it off? Baron, if you sent me a five-gallon bucket, I would absolutely show it off on a live stream. Because what better gift could a fishmonger want? You always need more buckets. <laughs> Especially if it's like leucistic or gold form. or If you can find a nice, long, thin sword bucket, absolutely. <laughs> Leo 209, aquatics. Best setup for a breeding pair of Epistomac Masteri. I think with Epistos, you're saying a pair. Okay, let me tell you what I think the ideal setup is for breeding Epistos. I think it's a colony in a fairly large tank, maybe a 55 gallon. It doesn't have to be that large, but 75 gallon, 55 gallon, and I'll tell you why in a second. Lots of plants, lots of line of sight blocks, lots of caves, good filtration, mature tank. And if you can, softish water. Although McMaster, I've been bred so much, they're probably gonna be fine in whatever you have. But if you end up having troubles, switching to softer water might help. But the reason I like that is I found that Epistos breed best when there's competition. So if you just have a pair, they have nothing to bond against. You know, it needs to be like them against the world. Where they form a pair, and what bonds them tightly is all the other pistols that they have to defend their territory against. And, and they have to struggle to keep their territory in their breeding cave and all that. Not a ton. You don't want tons of struggle. But they need to feel like there's real work to be done because doing that work bonds the pair together. If you just have a pair and there's nothing for them to bond against, then they any little thing will break that pair up and one day you'll come in the male will be dead or the female will be dead because they can beat each other up. Just like that. But if you have a few other in there, They'll, they'll form a tight bond and them against the world go and fight them. Well, I mean, if it's a big enough tank with lots of line of sight and all that, they won't fight them to the death, but they'll just, you know, push them out of their territory. So I think that's the best way to do it. If you have only a pair, what I would suggest is you can do it in a smaller tank, maybe a 10 gallon, but lots of plants, lots of line of sight blocks, lots of caves all over. And if you can, 
I put another tank right next to them and I would have it partially divided where for about a quarter of the tank they could see the fish in the tank next to them and if they can be another pair of McMaster eye, even better then you've got two pairs in two separate tanks and whenever they see each other in this one section of the tank where the visual divider is not blocking their sight through the glass they'll flare up and they'll kind of you know display and and they'll they'll feel like they have to to defend their territory against that fish in the other tank and that way you get the same pair bond in a smaller tank because there's some competition so that to me is the key to breeding epistos is is give them something to struggle for bunny viper wait i know you keep archers have you gotten more in the store nope nope same archers same archers as before i do want to bring some in i actually could they've been on the lists um burmese clouded archer fish my favorite archer and the humphead glassfish. I like both of them so much. They've been on the lists, but the price is so high. I think I would have to sell them for 50, 60, $70 each, something like that. Like the price has gone up a lot. And I don't know if I could. I, I'm not sure what the market would bear. And some of my competition sells them for a lot less. Now, I don't know how well they vet their suppliers. I don't know everything they put into them. You know, we put a lot of time and, and stuff into them and make sure they're really solid and dewormed and all that and come from good suppliers that treat them humanely. So all that adds cost, right? But to get humanely sourced archers and humphead glassfish right now, the, the cost is so high, I just haven't done it. So I've had a couple opportunities and I've passed because the price has scared me off. But if I can find a good group at a good price, I will bring them in. And maybe as we get settled in and things start moving and we can take some more risks, maybe I will try a batch of each at that higher price and see if people will, if the market will bear the cost. But I can't take that risk right now when we're just getting a new expansion up and running and have to, you know, put a sunk a lot of time and effort and money into this. And it's got to it's got to work. So for the next few months, I'm, I'm not just sticking with common stuff by any means, but I'm taking safer bets. That would be the, the way to explain it, I think. Some dude is the new rainbow fish that you ordered. Cali pajamas. Cali pajamas? I've read that they're nocturnal. <laughs> okay, I just got it. <laughs> I'm a little slow on the uptake, <laughs> but I finally got it. Yes, Cali pajamas, the rare nocturnal rainbow fish, and also very snugly. <laughs> Zhang Zhang. I was wondering about the latest status of Lacey Act and the impact on you. Can you talk about it a bit, please? Yes, the latest that happened was the reconciling, and this will be the last one, I think, because we only have a couple minutes to close it up, but the reconciliation committee between the uh, Senate and the House has been formed. It's massive because the, what the, the, 
American competes or whatever they're calling this new thing they're creating from the two forms of the bill um, is very popular. Everyone wants to be able to say that they helped America compete and that they helped us get back to the point where we could make medicines and uh, superconductors and sensors and all these things that we need to run our economy that we found out during COVID we, we don't actually make here, right? <laughs> that we're dependent on other, other countries for. So there's been a lot of supply chain issues. There's been a lot of disruption in the economy because of it. And so everyone wants to be part of that and say that they helped solve that problem. So literally, I think that this reconciliation committee that they formed is the biggest reconciliation committee ever formed. I believe that's a true statement. So I watched the first session where these uh, representatives got together and, you know, talked about the America Competes Act. That's what I'm calling it. I don't know what the new name is. The Lacey Act additions are embedded in that as pork, basically. That's the best way I can think of to describe it. So they're just this little page, page and a half, embedded in this 1,600-page document or something like that uh, that, that, that used to be America Competes Act. So I watched and I timed in, and what I saw was a bunch of representatives grandstanding just saying about how how great this will be and how we need to bring jobs back and, and manufacture and stuff. Um, there wasn't any progress made. It, it looked literally, it looked like an opportunity for our representatives to just look good, is what it looked like. No one mentioned anything about the Lacey Act in that entire 12 hour, was it 12 hour session that I saw? So I'd chime in, I'd watch a little bit, I'd see that they were doing the same thing, I'd go change some water in some tanks, come back see if anyone was saying anything important. They weren't, go change some water. And you kind of have it on in the background. So I kind of sat through it. I didn't pay real close attention, uh, but every now and then I would see what was going on. I, nothing, nothing happened specifically about the Lacey Act in that. So that's what's happened so far that I'm aware of. I'm not, I did check at US ARC last week, I think it was, to see if there had been any, any movement since then. I think USARC is doing the best job of keeping people up to date on the the changes that are going on with the Lacey Act. So I've been I've been keeping my eye on that, and I have not seen anything besides that. So that's all that's all I know is that they formed the reconciliation committee. Everyone wants to be part of it so they can look good, and they had one session where someone would come in, talk for two minutes, I think it was, say how how this is important, and they're going to make sure it happens, and then they would leave and someone else would come in and say the same thing. So nothing pertinent for uh, what we're worried about. Yeah, nothing nothing that I saw pertaining to the Lacey Act. So I'm still not sure what's gonna happen. But I do have good news on the Wyoming front, which is they're doing a new set of regulations, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, in the state of Wyoming, and they've been great. We've, we've talked a lot. They've sent me drafts of the regulations that they are proposing to say, hey, this is what we want to do, but we... See, what happened was they were going through rewriting their regulations because they needed to be rewritten. Like, they were super old. Um, all the animals were treated the same. They didn't have a, a difference in the regulations between, say, um, hunting mountain lions and collecting lizards. Like, all warm-blooded, cold-blooded, all the animals were just kind of lumped together. 
So they were they were kind of going through that, trying to say, well, mountain lions and, and lizards aren't really the same, and so let's let's break this out, right? And while they were in the midst of that, they found out I was doing this. And so it was great. We've had five fish and wildlife folks come by. I've shown them the, what we're doing and stuff. Um, I've worked with them to make sure we're doing things in a safe way so that they don't have to worry about, and I don't have to worry about us damaging our local waterway. And so all, all that's great. And they've been, we've sat down and talked about the regulations. I've gone over drafts and given suggestions and they're good at implementing the suggestions. So we're coming up with a thing together where I don't know what's going to happen federally. But what's happening at the state level is very positive. We'll be able to protect our waterways and we'll be able to still function as a business. And sometimes when things try to get protected, they, they basically say it goes too far and you can't function as a business, right? It's just, okay, no one can uh, own fish in the state because we're worried that fish will get in local waterways, right? That would be an extreme example of protection at all costs. And things can get that far, I suppose, um, in, in the world, but they're not doing that. What they're saying is, okay, what do you need to stay in business? And I tell them, and then they say, okay, yeah, we see how we could do that and that'll still protect the waterway. That's kind of how the conversation's going. So locally, the state level, I've been very pleased. Um, working together, having good discussions with local uh, law enforcement, basically fish and wildlife agents. And I think that's going really well. State level, I have no influence. I, I'm just a small potato. At, I'm sorry, federal level, just a small potato. And I don't know, that's a machine that's going to crank on its own time. So anyway, <laughs> you got me going, but I don't know how that's going to shake out. And I'll let you know as soon as I do know, yeah, because that's something I very important to me and to uh, all of us, I would suppose. Okay, with that, I think I need to close it down. Oh, except for I, I didn't see Alexander Engelhart sneaking one in at the last minute. Hope you're doing well, Alexander. I would imagine that uh, this means that you've had a long day at work and are just now settling down. So hope your day was hope your day was good. And 24-hour timer is up. I can super chat again. <laughs> Or that's it. You were in super jet timeout. <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to close this bad boy down. I want to start by thanking my moderators because I really appreciate folks that freely volunteer their time to make this little endeavor work. I think that's just amazing. So mwah, thank you all. Really appreciate you. Everyone that threw money at us, always appreciated, never required, but this is a little engine that could, and any gas we can have for our little engine that could is most appreciated, so thank you. Everyone that left a comment and question, thanks for participating. I'm sorry if I couldn't get to yours. I can only do so much in the short hour and a half that we have. Um, but, but thanks for being here and being active, and next week we can try again. <laughs> Everyone that's lurking in the background, all hail the Lurker Nation. Everyone that's watching the replay, Hello from the past. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for listening. And thanks to Michael Mellier for making that happen. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I sincerely have a good one. 
And by the end of the day tomorrow, I think we'll have all those 75 gallons set up. So I get to show you that on the live stream next week, which I'm excited about. Anyway, have a great week, everyone. Thanks again, and bye-bye.